Hi, I'm Alex Rubin, and you're listening to Grace to Your World, a teaching ministry focused on providing an understanding of God's grace, which will empower you to change your world and live the overcoming life. Now, to find out more about our ministry and to access other free resources, simply head to alexrubinministries.org. And with that being said, let's get into today's teaching. You got to understand, I've, I've, I've said to you guys before, that everything that Jesus did on the cross, he did because he loves you, right? The Bible says he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so when people don't understand that what Jesus was doing, he was drawing the judgment of the world unto himself. Why? Well, so he wouldn't have to judge the world. You see, if people don't understand that, then what happens is they walk around with this wrong impression of God. Well, Alex, you know, God is, 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 a, is a, he's a God of wrath. Uh, he's, he's angry. He's, he's angry about my sin. He's, he's, he's a God who's going to punish me uh, uh, for my sins. Well, no, you see, the truth is uh, he's a God who loves you so much, friend, that he's dealt with your sins 2,000 years ago. Glory to God, so that he wouldn't have to deal with, with your sins right now, you see. And remember what I've been sharing with you these past few weeks that God is perfect guys I was talking to someone the other day we had this discussion about how people have different ideas about what Jesus was doing on the cross and 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 and, and this is how this came up that a lot of people have this idea that God is a God of, 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 of wrath and God's a God of punishment and judgment and, and, and condemnation you see well that's all wrong you see you want to understand well yeah God is just you see, God is perfect. Now, God being perfect requires him to justly deal with the sins of the world. You see, if God wouldn't deal with the sins of the world at all and he would just ignore sin, <laughs> sin wasn't a big deal, well, then God wouldn't be just. You see, and, and, and setting everything else aside, just look at the history of the world, guys. You see, there's some crazy stuff that happened in the history of the world. Well, if God wants to save humanity, well, the only way that a perfect, just God can do that is he has to deal with their sins. Now, remember, God being perfect means he's perfect love. He's also perfectly just. You see, the only way that he can reconcile his perfect love for us with his perfect justice is on the cross. Why? Well, because he has to deal with the sins of the world. Glory to God. And, and remember what we were saying, that Jesus, by shedding his blood, has purchase our legal right to walk in the blessing of God, you see. In other words, uh, Jesus dealing with the sins of the world, glory to God, what he has done, he has made it possible for a just God to justify people who are unjust. He has made it possible for a just God to justify unjust people on just and legal grounds. Are you guys following me, you see? And so you want to understand that, but guys, you got to understand. In fact, look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. You got to understand that what Jesus did, drawing the, the judgment of the world to himself, you got to understand that he did that for, for everybody. For everybody. There's some radical teachings in the body of Christ where people say this thing about, you know, Jesus died only for a, 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 a select group of people. <laughs> in other words, he didn't really uh, forgive the sins of everybody. Well, no, guys, I want you to understand it is everybody. You see, the two misunderstandings about forgiveness is, one, that God is continuously forgiving sins. And, and, and when you have this impression that God has not yet forgiven your sins, it's something he's in the process of doing. 
well, that always puts you back into the curse of the law, you see, because, uh, well, if you didn't already forgive your sins as a result of what Jesus did, well, then the only way he can forgive you now is if you perform. He has following me. And so if a person thinks, well, God could forgive me for this, but I'm not sure. He, he, maybe he hasn't yet. And so, and so what that does is it puts you back into a performance-based mindset because now you're sweating, struggling, and performing, hoping that he'll forgive you. Well, friend, he's already forgiven you of your sins. You see, it's already a finished work. And I want you to understand, he's already forgiven the sins of the entire world. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. He says in verse 2, speaking of Jesus, and he is the propitiation for our sins. Talking about believers. But watch what he says. And not for ours only, not only for believers, but also for the sins of the whole world. And so Jesus, I want you to see, is the propitiation for the sins of the entire world. Propitiation means peace offering, you see. So, Jesus, glory to God, has already forgiven the sins of the world. Everybody's sins are already paid for. Now listen to me very closely, because what I'm not saying is that everybody is automatically saved. You see, this is a, another extreme teaching, which, which is, you know, everybody can't automatically be saved because that would disregard people's free will. And so salvation is available to everybody, but everybody, guys, has to decide in their hearts. They have to purpose in their hearts to receive the gift of salvation. And I've said this before, guys, that nobody goes to hell for sinning. Nobody goes to hell for sinning. You see, if one person went to hell for sinning, all of us were, would go to hell for sinning because we all still got some sin going on, guys, you see? <laughs> this is where we gotta, gotta get away from this, this religious mindset, glory to God, which, which says, you know, that, 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 that I'm perfect and, and, and because I'm perfect, I can judge other people, you know, I can judge these, these, these unbelievers, you know, the, <laughs> the heathen, you know, I can judge those heathen over there because they're, they're not saved yet. And so, and so I'm judging them because, because they're in the world, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not, you see? <laughs> Uh, you know, guys, uh, it's, it's, we got to get away from that, you see, because that's never how we were supposed to go into the world and preach the gospel. No, man, you, you see, when you understand Jesus already forgave your sins, you got the blessing purely by his grace, it's not your performance, and you understand that you need him because you still got some issues going on yourself. Well, what that does is, it actually makes you less judgmental, you see. Rather than judging another person for their issues, you understand, well, I got some issues going on myself, you see. Maybe it's not the same kind of sin. Maybe it's, it's a different thing that I'm struggling with, but I still got some issues going on myself. And so, and so this is what I love, guys, about this gospel. It makes us all equal, you see. It puts us all on the equal playing field. And, and that equality is that we need Jesus. Glory to God. Everybody needs Jesus, guys, you see. <laughs> Praise God. 
And so he's forgiven the sins of the entire world. Every person has to receive the gift. Praise God. You guys listening to me. Now look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. And I love these, these uh, midweek Bible studies, guys, are just really opportunities for me to just kind of try out some stuff and, and I'm, I'll be polishing it up some more before I get ready to preach this on the weekend and also at our Grace Encounter Sunday night. And, uh, you know, what we're doing here is, man, we're just getting into the Word, looking what the Word says, man, and, and we're just cooking some good spiritual food here. <laughs> you see, anytime you come to this ministry, man, you can always expect some good spiritual food. We're cooking it, guys. We're cooking it tonight. Praise God. And so, and so I trust everybody is following me. And so, and so we want to understand that God has already forgiven the sins of the world. You see, our sins are already paid for. Uh, he's not in the process of forgiving sins. He's already done it. Is everybody on board with that? And so now I want you to see that what Jesus has done is he has purchased eternal redemption. Eternal redemption once for all. Look at here in uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse, uh, verse 11. Verse 11. I want to read this in the King James and then in the Amplified. Uh, praise God. He says here in verse 11, he says, But Christ being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. And so what he's talking about here is he is now comparing in contrast the law of Moses and the sacrificial system that came with the law of Moses, the, the animal sacrificial system. He is uh, comparing that with the finished works of Jesus. Now, let me say this too. Thank you, Lord. You see, the law of Moses, somebody says, well, the law of Moses is pretty rough. You see, <laughs> well, yeah, it is. But you see, here's the grace and mercy of our God, guys. You see, you see, God didn't give the law to make anybody holy. He gave the law to bring us to an end of ourselves. But here's the grace and the mercy of our God. You see, uh, if you read there in Exodus chapter 19, where he, where he gives them the law, he starts to give them the law. Well, right after he starts giving the law, he starts putting in the sacrificial system, the animal sacrificial system. And, and well, why did he do that, guys? Well, he did it because he knew that nobody was going to be able to keep the law, you see. And so he knew they wouldn't be able to keep the law, but he put the animal sacrificial system in place as a means for, for him to be able to, to still bless them even while they were under the law. You see, the, the, the <laughs> praise God, the, the only reason that Israel even made it through that period of the law was because of the grace and mercy of God, you see. Because he was still able to show them his goodness and his kindness through that uh, sacrificial system. Now, here's what I want you to understand, and, and we're going to get into this as well uh, some more over the next few weeks. Understanding that everything in the Old Covenant, everything in the Law of Moses... I want you to understand this. I want you to really catch this. Everything in the Law of Moses was a type and a shadow, and the reality is found in Christ. Somebody says, Alex, why did God make them sacrifice animals? And, and sometimes people who will try to discredit the, the Bible, especially the Old Testament, they'll say, Whoa, well, why would God do that? Well, guys, I want you to understand 
that that animal sacrificial system was nothing but a type and a shadow pointing to the reality, which is, of course, Christ. Amen. Which is his finished works on the cross. Here's another example. Sometimes people say, well, why did God make them uh, get circumcised? Why did he require that every male in that old covenant be circumcised? Well, Alex, it's a little weird. You see, this is what people say. <laughs> you see, this is what's out there, guys. And, and, and I want to address that. Um, you see, you've got to understand that the circumcision in the old covenant was a type and shadow and that the actual real circumcision is glory to God, a spiritual circumcision. You see, the Bible says in the book of Colossians that we have been circumcised with the circumcision not made with hands. Paul says in Romans that the true circumcision is of the heart, is of the spirit. And so what is circumcision in the new covenant? Well, it's your born-again spirit. You see, it's your born-again spirit. The, the, the circumcision of the spirit is literally the, the, the cutting out of the sin nature. You see, because how many know when you got into Christ, you, you became a brand new uh, person. The Bible says you, you are a new creation. Well, the part of you that is new is your spirit, and your spirit man is already perfect in Christ. And so that is what the circumcision of the Old Covenant was pointing to. And so what he's talking about here is is uh, the tabernacle. Uh, let me, uh, let's read this, let's read verse 12, and then I want to look at that in the Amplified. So he, he says, in verse 12, he says, uh, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. Watch this, here it is, guys. Having it obtained eternal redemption for us. Eternal redemption. And so what did Jesus do? He obtained eternal redemption, guys. I want you to understand, eternal means past, present, and future. Is he? This is the other thing. Sometimes people think, well, all of your sins are paid for up until the point you get into, you get born again. But you see, now that you're that you're in Christ, now uh, every time you sin, well, God's going to hold that against you again. No, guys. Remember what did we look at? this past Sunday and, and also uh, the, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at that, that God is not charging sin to your account at all, you see. Well, the reason he does that, or he doesn't do that, is because you have eternal redemption. And so Jesus took care of your sins, past, present, and future. Someone says, Alex, how can God forgive future sins? Well, friend, you better hope he can, you see, because 2,000 years ago, I got news for you guys, all of your sins were in the future. <laughs> Praise God, 2,000 years ago, all of our sins were future sins, you see. And so if God can't forgive future sins, well, Houston, we got a problem because then none of our sins are covered, you see. And so God forgives future sins. Well, because God is God, you see. He's not limited by, by time and by space the way we are, you see. And so he's dealt with our sins once and for all. Look at this in the Amplified starting in verse 11. Amplified verse 11 says this. He says, But that appointed time came when Christ the Messiah appeared as the high priest of the better things that have come and are to come, speaking of this new covenant, then through the greater and more perfect 
tabernacle not made with human hands that is not a part of this material creation. Now what he's talking about here is the tabernacle of, of, of the Old Covenant, the actual worship place. And, and I want you to understand, remember, the Old Covenant is types and shadows. Amen. New Covenant is, is reality. And so what he's talking about here is in the Old Covenant, there was a physical tabernacle. In other words, that was the physical place of worship. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was, uh, that the tabernacle, God gave exact, exact instructions to Moses on, on how to build that tabernacle. Yet watch what he says here. He says in the New Covenant, he says in the New Covenant, we have a greater and more perfect tabernacle. And he says this new covenant tabernacle is not made with human hands. He says it's not a part of this material creation. Now track with me, guys. I really want you to catch this. Old covenant was types and shadows. New covenant is reality. Old covenant is... Hebrews also talks about the law of Moses being a law of carnal ordinances. In other words, it's a law that requires you to perform. It's a law, really, that keeps you stuck, that keeps your attention in the natural realm. You see, a person who is always performing to try to be right with God, well, that means your attention is, is in the natural. You see, uh, uh, you, you don't necessarily have much of a revelation of who you are in the Spirit. Now, what he's saying here is that the new tabernacle, this uh, new covenant tabernacle is greater, it's more perfect, and he says it is a... Um, it's not made with human hands. It's not part of this material creation. And guys, what is this is talking about? It's talking about a spiritual tabernacle. You see, spiritual tabernacle is, that's you guys. You see, remember, types and shadow are the old covenant, reality in the new. Well, guys, do you know that the tabernacle of the old covenant is actually a picture of the born-again believer? You see, because in that tabernacle, it was divided up into an outer court. Then there was a holy place. And then there was the Holy of Holies. Holy of Holies was, is, was where the Ark of the Covenant was. It's, it's where no man could, could enter into that. In fact, uh, read, let's look at verse 12. Verse 12 talks about exactly that. Thank you, Lord. He says in verse 12, uh, he went once for all into the Holy of Holies of heaven. Jesus, speaking of Jesus, so Jesus went into the Holy of Holies of heaven, not the Holy of Holies of the old tabernacle, but of, of the reality, heaven. You see, in the old covenant, the priests would bring these animal sacrifices and, and they would enter once a year into the Holy of Holies to make atonement for the sins of the people. And, and, and they would enter in uh, the, the, with, with the blood of animals, basically, uh, to make atonements for the sins of the people. Their sins would be covered for a year. Remember, that's a type and a shadow. Now, the reality is glory to God that Jesus, on our behalf, has entered into the true Holy of Holies. You see, the true Holy of Holies, the Bible says, is heaven. He says he's entered into heaven not by virtue of the blood of goats and calves, by which to make reconciliation between God and man, praise God, but he says, by his own blood, he has found and secured 
a complete redemption and an everlasting release for us. And so what is this saying? He says that Jesus has entered into the true Holy of Holies. In other words, he's... he's thank you, Lord. Makush braki. Makoyo dreskio. Remember the, the example I was showing you the other day about the index card in the notebook. Is he... Uh, I'll show it to you guys again. You, this is, I got not an index card, I got a little uh, piece of paper here. I got a notebook. I just want to show you how God sees you. This piece of paper is you. Uh, the notebook is Christ. When the Bible says you're in Christ, it's literally this piece of paper in this notebook. The notebook is closed. Now, what do you see? Do you see the piece of paper? No. All you see is Christ. Amen. And so the same thing has happened to us. You see, we're in Christ. Christ is in us. When God sees us, he doesn't see the, 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 the piece of paper. He sees the notebook. Praise God. He sees Christ. When he looks at you, he sees Christ. And what he's saying here is glory to God that Jesus has entered into the Holy of Holies. He's entered into the presence of God for you and me. And so Jesus, praise God, is representing us in the presence of God. And so in other words, when God sees Jesus, praise God, what he sees in Jesus, he also sees us in Jesus. You guys following me? You see, uh, I want you to just really understand, I'll get more into this, that Jesus, you see, in the, in the Old Covenant, the, the priest had to enter into the Holy of Holies, representing the people before God with the animal sacrifice. In the New Covenant, you got the reality, man. It's Jesus who's entered into the presence of God on behalf of us, you see, and Jesus representing us on behalf, uh, representing us in front of God, in the presence of God. That means when God sees Jesus, he also sees us, you see. This is why the Bible can say, as he is, so are we in this world. And so the tabernacle of the old covenant was a picture of the born-again believer, you see. That tabernacle... I'd love to be able to show you a picture of that at some point just to kind of give you a visual idea of what that looked like. There was the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. Now, the outer court in the born-again believer, because remember, guys, what you are is spirit, soul, and body. Amen. And so the outer court represents the body of the born-again believer. The holy place represents the soulish area, the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Praise God. You see, the more you renew your mind in the Word, the more of a holy place your mind becomes. <laughs> Some of you guys is not necessarily too holy just yet, but, but you know, just, just keep working on renewing your mind. Amen. Uh, and, and the Holy of Holies, guys, is representing the, the spirit of the born-again believer. You see, the Holy of Holies is where the presence of God dwells. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was in the Old Covenant priest entered in with the blood of animals to make atonement for the sins of, of the people. But now the true Holy of Holies is your born-again spirit. And guys, we said that Jesus has entered into the true Holy of Holies, heaven. That's awesome, guys. Remember, the Bible says we're seated with him in heavenly places. And so Jesus is in the presence of God for us. And I said, God sees Jesus. He sees us in Jesus. Well, 
glory to God. The Bible says we're seated with him in heavenly places. Your born-again spirit is with him in heavenly places. Guys, that means when God sees you, he sees you perfect in Christ. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm Alex Rubit. You have been listening to Grace to Your World. To learn more about our ministry and to access the full-length audios of this and other teachings, simply head to alexrubitministries.org. For information on how to become a Grace Vision partner or to make a gift of any amount to our ministry, go to alexrubitministries.org forward slash give. Now I pray you continue to see God's grace manifesting richly in your life. And I look forward to talking to you again on our next podcast.